0: David McIntyre is a, well, he's a bit of a genius, although he didn't always feel that way. He came up for an idea with, for something that would make the school day a lot easier, not just for his children, but for countless others across the country and beyond. And he joins me on the line from County Mayo now. Good morning, David.
1: Good morning, Shay. How are you?
0: Do you know what? I'm in, I'm in flying form this morning. I have a muffin and a cup of tea and I'm in the heat.
1: That's not too bad. Eh? You're not doing too bad. Which part, which part
0: of lovely Mayo are you in?
1: We're in Kitchener here. That's where we have the office. Ah. Uh, so I'm looking. I'm looking out here on the the Caron Hills here in front of me. So, sure. Uh, quite, quite picturesque so for, the, for what we're doing.
0: The glass is half full. This is it. We'll get this to, is it. We
1: get to we we'll
0: get to the specifics about the product you invented. But you you saw a need for for, for this uh, for se- we've heard of sensory rooms before. But we'll talk specifically about the one that you've come up with. But why why did sensory rooms come into your life?
1: Uh, my daughter was diagnosed uh, about eight years now ago with uh, as autistic, and uh, we were we were brought along as many parents are to uh, a program called Early Birds, which trains parents uh, about autism and what to expect and what to look out for, etc. And uh, it was there actually that we met other parents and we started hearing about the issues in schools, the barriers facing people with autism in education, um, and it kind of reminded me of my own. Uh, education journey, if you like, where uh, I spent a, a lot of my time outside the, the, the wrong side of the door in the classroom, and I just—I um, I guess I got a little angry, and I decided that I might just do something about it and see if I fix the problem, uh, which we did.
0: <laughs> angry is a is a reaction some people have had, and 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 I speak from personal experience with when when a diagnosis comes, um, or maybe somebody says maybe there might be something wrong here, or you go no no, actually, there's nothing wrong here. What, what was your reaction to a diagnosis for your daughter?
1: Um, it was denial, actually, at the beginning. Um, I, I hadn't noticed it. I was working long hours at the time for a company and um, I was on the road a lot. Uh, it was my wife that had noticed that uh, Ava wasn't meeting her uh, milestones and uh, started the process to get a diagnosis. Um, and when I was told, I, I must say, I was very I was very angry about the, the, the labelling of my child, if you like, Um, as a parent uh, and as being disability, having dyslexia myself, having a disability, um, I've had to hide that disability my whole life. Um, And I just was fearful for my child, really, that she would have a similar experience. Um, And and she will, unfortunately. That's just the reality of it.
0: Your, Your experience in school maybe coloured that?
1: Well, I don't want to, you know, play the, the, the fiddle too much, but the, the, my experience at school wasn't very positive. I left at 15. I, I was lucky enough to get an apprenticeship in engineering tool toolmaking. Um, and that was my, um, my ticket really out of the education system. But the lack of an education certainly held me back all my life. Uh, promotions, I was looked over for promotions. I was, I was always on the back foot in my mind that only if i had that piece of paper that would show that i was good enough i would actually be good enough if you know what i mean uh looking for that validation uh throughout my life uh and i just i just knew that with an autism diagnosis that there would be a similar journey for my daughter i actually have two daughters uh, two daughters that are autistic so you know they they're, they're going to have challenges just like me uh, and some more uh, different challenges than i had so it's, it's just a journey of life, isn't it? And, and how do we best mm. manage that? And how do we best put in structures around it that can help?
0: You, you mentioned a, a programme which I wouldn't mind giving a little bit of, of uh, mention of. is the Early Bird programme.
1: Yes, yes. So the Early Bird was very good. The, the, it was the Western Health uh, Service up here that actually delivered that first, us. Um, and it, it's, it teaches you about um, sensory processing issues. It teaches you that um, autism is a spectrum and that the person can actually move on that spectrum at any time, which frightened the life out of me uh, and my wife. The idea is that your child could be verbal today uh, and tomorrow be non-verbal and they're, and, they're, and they're forward be non-verbal. So they can actually move on the spectrum at any time. So it's quite a frightening diagnosis really for a parent. Um, and we were, we were lucky in some aspects as well. We, we, we met other age groups as well. There weren't just two and a half years of age that, uh, that had just got a diagnosis. There were uh, parents there of teenagers, of young adults uh, as well, that were able to tell us about the, the, the challenges that they had faced uh, and try to prepare you for the journey ahead, if you like.
0: I, th- I think as men, we love a job. If someone says, you know, if someone says that, that that snow needs to be moved off the driveway or that car needs to be towed and the wheel changed, you're like, right, I'm, I can do that. I'm, I'm practical, yes. I can do that. You you turned your skills towards Ava and say, well, what can I do?
1: Well, it, a couple of things came together at the same time. I was made redundant for my job. Um, so I had a couple of quid and I decided to strike out my own in a, in, in a design um, uh, company. Um, and what happened is I was actually asked by a local school to design a sensory room for them and um, I started doing the research and with my little bit of knowledge from the early birth, um, I, I'd done a bit of a deep dive if you like and I just couldn't figure out how a, uh, a sensory room could adapt quickly to the individual's needs.
0: You might explain what a sensory gap. room is for people who don't know what it is.
1: Well, a sensory room can be a lot of things. Um, The typical sensory room would be uh, different colours, maybe um, a bubble machine with with nice bright lights, uh, soft toys, um, and some kind of audio and visual. Um, It can be tactile. It can be a lot of different things. It can be trampolines, for instance. It can be swings. Uh, There's a lot of components to a fully equipped sensory room. Um, And to work correctly, I found you needed an occupational therapist to actually deliver the intervention. Um, and what's happening in schools, of course, is that they don't have that occupational therapy expertise at hand, and so they, they just turn everything on, if you like. So um, my child, I have two kids, as I said, with autism, and uh, they have very different sensory needs to each other. And I just thought to myself, how, do, how does this piece of equipment, uh, or these ten pieces of equipment, adapt quickly to, to my daughter's needs? or to an individual's needs to get the best out of it.
0: So t- tell, um, us, tell us about the first one you built.
1: Oh, the the, Kobe, the first prototype was, was, uh, was made in my garage, and uh, uh, we were very proud of it. We, we, uh, we got it up. I spent my own money on it, which uh, I, would, I would recommend other people not to do.
0: Um, <laughs> Some entrepreneurial we, advice there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll put, the, put the cart in front of the horse if you like. And, uh, because this is, that is probably one of the traits I have with my dyslexia is that I, I just get on and do it instead of thinking about it too much but uh, yeah we, we had that school they said they would buy the, the first cubby and of course I was delighted but I wanted to test it first so I asked them to test it and uh, it failed, completely failed um, uh, and th- they didn't want it anymore so it was a huge blow to me um, but we didn't give up. Uh, the reason it failed is that the usability of it wasn't very good. Um, we were using a lot of third-party apps to control the visuals and the sounds and the lights, so it was it was kind of awkward for the person then to change the lights, for instance, or change the music. Um, so it actually was a great favor to us because it was the first time we decided to make our own software, uh, and that development. Uh, in the last three years, has been remarkable. Um, so when you go up to a cubby now, uh, it remembers who you are, and it transforms the environment inside to match your sensory needs. And usually within ten minutes, you're back in the classroom, participating with your work.
0: You mentioned the input of a, an occupational therapist. Did you did you work with occupational therapists to put this together?
1: Yeah, we had two. The 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 the, the early birds team helped us actually. Would you believe? in the in the design of it initially. And uh, we actually have a team of occupational therapists working with us all the time that create the experiences for each individual person. So when you buy a cubby, um, every programme is actually made for you, tailor-made for you.
0: Uh, the, the cubby itself, do you want to describe what it looks like and, and how it works?
1: Sure, uh, it's, it's a big pod, It's it's wheelchair accessible. Um, and there's a touch screen on, on the outside of it, and inside is a, an audio-visual experience for life. Um, and the idea is that it's a blank canvas. So when you walk into it, if you don't want any sensory input, as in you want just to enter a quiet space, uh, it can deliver that. But if you want to uh, get energized, for instance, because there's two different types really, there's hypo-reactive and there's hyper-reactive. So if you're hyper-reactive, we have a set of programs that helps calm you. Uh, and what we're trying to do is balance you in the centre, so um, you can actually participate. and we're, we're about participation more so than inclusion. Inclusion is important. Don't get me wrong, but participation is is what we're trying to achieve. Uh, and if you're understimulated or hypo-reactive, we are able to energise you and bring you up into the middle and balance as well. So what happens is we measure the effectiveness of the uh, of the experience. And then we readjust the experience over time if it needs to be adjusted. It's not working for the person. So we have different programs now made by our occupational teams for ADHD, for instance. They're very different than the ones for people with autism. Um, We know that we can adjust it for people that are seeking. So a lot of people uh, with autism seek sensory stimulus and we're able to deliver that, but at the same time change the narrative of the program over time so that it helps to reduce the anxiety that they're feeling. And really that's what we do, we reduce the anxiety that people are feeling.
0: So at the, at the moment, from my experience, an SNA was usually assigned to a child with who, ASD uh, with with autism and depending on where they are in, uh, within, the, within ASD, they will be, if they find they're overstimulated or they need to be taken outside. That's the, the thing, it's like being taken out of the classroom every time. Um, and and right. sometimes, I, I sometimes I, look. It's the only solution because, particularly in a small school where one storeroom has been converted to be a sensory room, or a quiet room, or a soft room, whatever it might be, if there's two children that need it, then only one child can go in. So the other child ends up ends up in the hall playing football or walking around outside. It can, I think it can have quite a negative impact.
1: Yes, it can, um, and, and it's not the school's fault. They're no. they're overwhelmed, and they're not in my view they're not trained to look after the individual needs of of all all these children that are coming I don't know do you know about the UN article 24 in education No which which mandates mandates an inclusive education despite disability so what what it really says is that if you have a disability it's your human right to get a mainstream education so the school has to make adoptions for that to happen um, and, of course, Ireland and 165 countries signed that in 2008. And it's been a hell of a journey for them since. Um, so sensory rooms are very good if they're, if they're correctly managed. Uh, but you're right. It, if, if if there's more than one person using it, it, it doesn't actually do any good for the individual. Uh, and that's our experience. So the cubby is one at a time. And uh, we schedule the breaks as well. So our occupational therapist will actually tell the person what time to give the break at, and it's one at a time. Uh, and walking the hallways and walking outside is a huge problem because the, the, the child or the young person is missing their education when they're outside. Uh, and that's what, we're, that's what we're stopping in the schools that put in cubbies. The, the breaks are scheduled, they're 10 minutes long, and the, that person is back in the classroom, typically, within that 10-minute time frame. So they, they they only miss a minimum amount of time in the classroom.
0: We're we're talking about schools, and I suppose in people's minds now we're talking about primary schools. But these are not just for for very young children; these are for children of all ages and and adults.
1: Well, the 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 idea at the beginning really was to make a product that would suit everybody, and of course that's not easily done. Um, uh, our first uh, sales were actually to uh, Temple Street Hospital; they were the first ones to buy a copy. Um, and followed soon by, by Skuldara which is in Galway. Um, and we have these now in every level of education, uh, primary, secondary and third level. Uh, and actually we've developed an app now that allows parents or the individual themselves to download their programs for free and actually bring them to any cubby location. So the idea is the continuity of care which uh, throughout the education system. So What we were hoping would be that uh, in primary school, when they went to secondary school, that they could bring their programs with them and then get that continuity of care right through the education system. So we've been very successful there. Um, And even we're talking to some businesses now who are looking at supporting the neurodivergent community within their their structures, uh, looking at Cubby. And again, the app allows people to be anonymous and autonomous, which is very important uh, from my own personal experience. As well, that this person can get the help they want without actually needing to go to their boss or their their worker, their HR department, uh, uh, to try to figure out what their needs are. So, um, yeah, we're we're very proud of that. That that we're actually putting these in a lot of different locations now.
0: Even the Aviva uh, Stadium.
1: Even the Aviva Stadium, we, they were one of the first people to buy, uh, and and it's a remarkable story because what Aviva did is really about participation. And, and they were really at the forefront uh, three, four, five years ago now. Um, they, um, they wanted the person to be in the stand celebrating the match, shouting for their team. And they put a cubby right behind the stand uh, so that the, the person could come up, have a quick little break and go back in shouting for their team again. I just thought it was remarkable That's because fun. a lot of football stadiums are putting in sensory rooms. And again, don't get me wrong, but they're usually in a space it is unused and therefore out of the way. So it's, it's, to me it's about being up forefront and actually being integrated into the community. It, and that's what participation I think is all about.
0: There's a, a couple of texts coming in. Could you ask your guest uh, how much a cubby costs to install and maintain? That's from Marian and Artane.
1: They, they cost €20,000 to full delivery, full turnkey service for you. And uh, and they cost about 3000 a year uh, after that, uh, for
0: maintenance and service. So that's the physical pod, including all the software, equipment, everything installed and da-da, it's done, it's ready, you can walk into it and start using it for 20,000.
1: That's right, yes. Um, and we provide full oversight oversight on that as well. So we're continuously measuring the, the progression and we change the media and we change the programmes um, all the time. The, for ADHD, for instance, We know that we have to change them programs continuously. And so we're always bringing in new media and new sounds, etc., so that the experience can be changed.
0: Alan Sligo says, My daughter has a cubby in her school and uses it. It's fantastic. I have such admiration for this man. He's such a visionary, taking his own experiences, skills and empathy to create such a useful tool for people with disabilities. I'm inspired. He is a genius. He solved the problem, (laughs) thought of a solution and implemented it, all while raising children with disabilities. I'm in awe, says Alan Sligo.
1: Well, there you go.
0: How are you taking compliments?
1: Uh, not very well. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Uh, don't take it very well. No, I'm afraid it's, it's part of my dyslexia. Uh, it's. It's. You never feel that you're actually doing any good at all. But yeah, it's. It's. At times we we sit back and we we look at what we've achieved and we're we're, we're quite proud of it. Uh, and I'd like to just shout out to my wife as well, the co-founder yeah. of Copy, uh, Diane. Uh, without Diane, this would never have happened because. I knew how hard it would be to do this because when we put a cubby in the school has to change the way they do things and um, we're finding more and more of those schools and I actually really was very afraid to start this journey because I knew the hard work that was ahead of us and my wife gave out to me one day she said listen you're going to have to get off your backside and go and do it so <laughs> she, was the, she was the catalyst to, to get this done in the first place So. Uh, it's uh, can, interesting you, how things go.
0: Do you mind? Do you mind me asking, without breaching any confidentially, how are how are your children now? How are they progressing through their their yeah, educational um,
1: career? Yeah, the uh, Sophie is in secondary school now. She's she's thirteen. She's thriving. Uh, she's a very um, different personality now to Ava, who would be more sensitive. Ava uh, is struggling with reading and writing as I did, and um, she's a bit behind the class. But the school are really digging in and helping her a lot, and we can see a huge improvement in the last year. I guess you know when you have any child, they all learn at different paces. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that myself and my wife are, are are good at, I think, is is having the patience to let the child learn at their own pace, but also giving them the tools that they need as best we can. Um, on a limited budget, I must I must say as well. But it's all about patience and understanding and. I hope that that's what we we're actually doing with our children. They're thriving as best they can and um, we're lucky, we, we do think that they'll have an independent life beyond school, if you know what I mean. And that's the biggest worry for a lot of parents, is, is will that child, will that young person be independent? Uh, and, and that's the challenge that faces a lot of parents. So we're very lucky that we don't face that challenge.
0: Well, you've stepped up to the challenges certainly with the Cubby. So cubby.ie for any schools or any individuals or organisations who want to get more information. And I know you've lots and lots of plans for Cubby to expand worldwide for world domination. So yes, we look we look forward to hearing more about that. And look, thank you for taking the time. I know you're very busy and you're taking the time to come on the line with us uh, this morning. And uh, just a couple of texts. Great vision and understanding says Fiona. Truly remarkable man. Congratulations and very best wishes to him. Your wife might disagree of course. <laughs> <laughs> says a Galway listener. So look, thank you to uh, David McIntyre cubby.ie Thank you very much.